1: Hello, this is Pat McDonald, your host for Vermont Viewpoint on WDEV Um, Joining me in studio, and I want to thank our guests for that It's so much better when they're in studio Is Representative Mike McCarthy, who's the Chair of House Government Operations and Military Affairs A new addition over the last couple of years Welcome to the show
2: Thank you for having me, Pat. Uh, it's a joy to be in the studio. This is my first time in studio at WD. <laughs> well,
1: I tell people it's a real hoot in here. You keep waiting for Humphrey Bogart to walk in and say something clever, you know. Um, you, you have to see this thing to believe it. And the, the wall of, uh, of honor out there with all of the old um, – uh, you'll see when you go out. There's pictures from a hundred years ago of, of rock bands and bands and stuff. But we love it here at WDEV, and we're very glad um, uh, Chairman McCarthy has joined us um, to start the show off. Mike, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and about um, House GovOps and military affairs?
2: Uh, yeah, thanks so much for the opportunity. So uh, in case folks don't know me, I represent the city of St. Albans, the Franklin Three District. So I've got the northern two-thirds of the city of St. Albans. And um, this is my fourth term in the Vermont house. Uh, I grew up in Franklin County, and um, I moved back home after uh, St. Michael's College. I went out to California for a few years. And then um, I came back, and I started Cosmic Bakery and Cafe oh. on Main Street with my brother and my mom. Um, and so we did that for a few years and, um, we ended up selling that business as I had gotten involved in, uh, the renewable energy industry Mm -hmm. and, uh, I work in commercial solar sales now in my day job, but, um, my role in the legislature and this biennium has been to chair the house government operations and military affairs committee. And our committee has a very broad jurisdiction, um, We do everything from elections policy to uh, liquor and lottery. Uh, We have the jurisdiction that uh, does all of the cannabis policy with the Cannabis Control Board and the new tax and regulate market. Uh, Last year, we worked on things like sports betting, which is under liquor and lottery. Um, All of the things that go under the Secretary of State, like professional regulation and licensure.
1: Uh, The OPR bill. OPR bill. We'll be
2: working on that this year. So um, it's really a fun committee because we do a lot of different things, and we touch on um, one of my favorite things is just the way government works so uh, we do the municipal charters uh, we think about how boards and commissions are going to serve vermonters and um, i just love working on government and government accountability has been one of our uh, top priorities this biennium and uh, the work we're going to talk about today around ethics is a really key part of that
1: yeah for sure um uh, and I was talking to Mike before the show that um, they are trying to resurrect or not really because you don't want the same GAC committee because that didn't that did not work. There was a lot of resistance back then. Uh, we tried hard, but um, it just didn't have the, the support that it needed from everybody. So and I'm glad to see that you're. Resurrecting that and redesigning it or doing something
2: yeah, last year um, we we do a boards and commissions bill and had um, been on a multi year process of examining uh, which boards and commissions uh, could be taken out of law because they were defunct or not meeting or not needed anymore um, and then the question was, okay, one of our key boards, uh, this uh, government accountability committee in the legislature. Um, it was recognized on a tripartisan basis that it wasn't exactly the right nope. construction of uh, how that was set up. Uh, and it wasn't able to succeed for a whole number of reasons. And so one of the things that we did do was ask a summer committee uh, in that boards and commissions bill H-125 last year uh, to look at that. And uh, Senator Brock and Representative Brumstead, the co-chairs, um, came in and uh, gave us their report this week. And so we'll be looking at um, a bill to try to figure out what's – how do we take up their recommendations? There's a great model out of New Mexico um, Hmm. that they focus on with some of their recommendations. And so we don't have to reinvent the wheel. Um, And it's really about making sure that every big bill we pass has data – uh, and a culture of reporting back and examining did we actually accomplish what we meant to uh, when we passed legislation. So, um, trying to build all that in into right. just the way we function mm-hmm. in our citizen legislature is, is really important. Uh, but it's culturally hard to do. <laughs>
1: you know what I? This I'm going to take this opportunity, seeing as how Representative McCarthy is right here. Um, what I think somebody should do, and it would be Joint Fiscal, is to keep a running tally of how much we have said yes to in the bills. Every bill's got a, a fiscal note, and it would be like the uh, the debt clock in Washington, you know, what is it, a bazillion, trillion, who knows, uh, several trillion. I, my husband and I were trying to figure out how many zeros that was the other night. Um, but I think the problem with, with the state is that we take each bill, and rightly so, independently, so you say, well, how can you – it's for the kids. How can you not say yes? And it's, you know, so it's $100,000, whatever it is. And you say, well, but it's for the kids. But if you put that $100,000 next to the other 800000 that you just approved, now we're up to almost a million. Maybe we should think about that.
2: So we we have a lot more fiscal discipline in Vermont than the United States Congress does. Uh, so Vermont does not have uh, we we don't run deficits, and so we don't have I, I believe the national debt is up to thirty four trillion dollars. Vermont doesn't do that. So we we balance every budget, and so the real debates we have are about uh, how much we're spending and how much we've said yes to. The government accountability committee piece is to figure out. Are we monitoring the effectiveness right. of those dollars? Um, and actually, is the executive branch and the legislative branch communicating effectively? Are we giving the executive branch what they need right. to be successful? And is the executive branch telling us, uh, yeah, actually, we need some changes in statute to make these programs either work or if they're not working to do good something for different? for you,
1: because there were other states who were doing it well back then, and we kept – kind of relying on them, kept, you know, crossing out their name and putting in Vermont, which uh, is a good thing. Anyway, I, I asked uh, Representative McCarthy today to come here uh, to talk about ethics, because um, as you know, with my other hat on and campaign from Vermont, we sort of started this discussion a few years ago and and pushed it. And um, we're really thrilled where it is now and and very thrilled that we, the next step in this in this uh, progress is to include the municipalities, and you're very supportive of that. So thank you for that. Yeah,
2: yeah. so uh, I spent six years on the city council. Um, so the the municipal piece of this um, is about doing the same thing that we're trying to do uh, at the state level, which is to start. And I think um, our State Ethics Commission Executive Director, Christina Sivert, um would frame this up the same way as – we want to start by setting standards and having a common understanding of what what's acceptable behavior yeah. um, as we start to talk about ethics I kind of I like to take a step back and say okay what are, when we say ethics, what are we really talking about here and anyone who's elected or appointed or hired to serve the public uh they they need to maintain the public trust and we expect as Vermonters um, that the interests of our constituents are going to be paramount, not the financial or other interests of the people who are elected or appointed to do jobs. Um, and there are a number of debates playing out today, uh, especially at the national level about uh, what's what's ethical behavior. You know, right. I think a good example that folks could kind of root themselves in would be, uh, you know, should sub- the Supreme Court have a code of ethics? And is it acceptable for a justice on the Supreme Court to accept very expensive gifts like travel, for instance, from someone who might have business before the court? Um, so there might be a conflict
1: of that interest. That is such a no-brainer. It amazes <laughs> me that we even had that conversation and shame on the justice who shall remain nameless.
2: Yeah, and then we have, you know, there's a sense Senator uh, from New Jersey who's on the Foreign Relations Committee that has been indicted for accepting bribes from a foreign country and becoming a foreign agent. So uh, (laughs) there there are reasons for the public to have some concern about um, the folks who are in power and positions that should be serving them uh, about using those positions of power to serve themselves. And I think in Vermont, we see that people generally have a lot of trust in their local institutions and local government. Um, in the people that they know, uh, and we're a small state, and that's important, um, but over the last few years, the legislature has recognized that the public and organizations that advocate for good government like yours uh, are really expecting us to develop standards, hold ourselves to account and um that's what uh these bills that we're going to be working on uh, are in furtherance of uh that mission that was really started about 5 years ago right. in in Vermont yeah
1: no absolutely and and back then we were i think it's 40 43rd we were ranked 43rd in the nation uh that we are for government integrity laws. We were a little low on the totem pole, forty-third, which is a bad place to be. We usually like to be number one, <clears throat> so I'm sort of glad we're reversing that trend. Um, <clears throat> so, I, uh, Mike, we have to take a break in about a, a minute. But when we come back, in, in my research, I found two draft bills that you're working on a committee, plus one actual. Which is a short form bill, which is H 487. And maybe we can talk about them, which each one wants to do. And, and, uh, and I know you mentioned when you, you kind of welcomed your committee back, you talked about this being a priority of yours. And, uh, I was, I wrote to Ben Kinsler. I said, ah, Mike's, Mike thinks this is a priority. This is a good thing. So, um, my, we talked about the three bills that, um, um, that I found. Anyway, there may be more floating around, but a couple of them have some – lots of people signing off. And how – you must have heard from Ted Brady, who's head of League of Cities and Towns. <clears throat> I thought for sure – and I love Ted just for the record. He's a great find for the League. What a great person to be head of the League. Um, <clears throat> I thought that the municipalities would – have a fit in my mind. I'm I'm active in my town on the economic development committee, and um, there are ten of us who are involved in everything. So you cannot possibly not have conflicts. I mean, it's just something municipalities have. It's not anybody's fault. Just nobody else wants to step up.
2: Yeah. So. Um so there, as you said before the break, there are essentially three bills, uh three sets of language. So um the two big chunks that are very recent are coming from the State Ethics Commission's recommendations. And I worked with um one of my committee members, uh Representative Waters Evans from Charlotte, and Executive Director Sivret from the State Ethics Commission uh to try to get their recommendations in the legislative language and um In December, we had some drafts. We did a little editing uh, last week and released those for folks to react to. So there there are two draft bills that you can find on our committee website. The first one is um, broadly about uh, expanding the scope of the Ethics Commission. And I think uh, one of the the things that's important for Vermonters to know is we set a state Ethics Commission up. uh, There was a bill passed in 2017 uh, before I came back to the legislature, and in 2018, our ethics commission came together, and one of their first things to do was to develop a draft state code. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. That was adopted uh, during my first term on GovOps last biennium a couple years ago, and so the state code um, it uh, lays out, you know, what's prohibited and what should good conduct be, and applies to really state officials. Um, and so we're expanding the scope. In, of the Ethics Commission and giving them some investigatory powers and sure. also having the state code apply a little more broadly and also um, getting more specific about who needs to disclose uh, their uh, finances, sources of income, uh, kind of across the executive and legislative branches um, and in county government. So that's the kind of right. big miscellaneous ethics bill. And then the, the second big chunk uh, of draft language there is about the municipal code. Um, and uh, the State Ethics Commission did a series of uh, public hearings over um, the fall, and they uh, came back with some recommendations that are in that draft bill. So the way I see our committee now is kind of taking the baton, their recommendations, um, and opening up a broader public conversation about what is the appropriate next step for the Ethics Great. Commission, mm-hmm. how broad should its authority be versus how much should it defer or advise or set up a model for towns and departments and the the pieces of state and local government? Um, and I think their their recommendation initially is uh, to adopt a model municipal Great. code that is very similar to the state code.
1: Great. Now, that's I'm, I'm very pleased that the League – supports this because I, I, I really was worried. You, Kevin, you found that in, in municipal law. I mean, it's somebody yelled at me one time when I was very active in my youth that I was on every committee, and I said, well, it says in our things that somebody from the select board has to be on the committee. And as chair, I say, well, who would like to be on this committee? Dead sounds. <laughs> so I had to say it was me. And um, not that I wanted to be on everyone, but that's just the way it goes, right?
2: Well, one of the issues we have is that some of our towns are so small that you could see um, folks having the appearance of a conflict of interest. Uh, because, you know, they just have to do business with their neighbors. Yep. Um, and so we know that at the municipal level, there may need to be uh, a different set of standards, uh, ah. for instance, than there might need to be up at the state level where, you know, the secretary of an agency that oversees thousands of employees, for instance, is going to have, you know, a different set of parameters potentially than the town select board chair or the road foreman in a very small Vermont town. Yeah. Um, and those are some of the pieces of feedback I want to get from the municipalities. Um, you mentioned Ted Brady before. it Vermontly gives Cities and Towns, you know, their job is to represent all of the cities and towns that are their members. And of course, when you have an organization with over, you know, what, 180 right. member uh, towns and villages and cities. Uh, you're going to end up with, um, a lot of different opinions and perspectives. And I think, uh, what the state ethics commission is going to work with us and with the VLC to do, um, is to try to find the right set of standards.
1: Excellent.
2: Um, I know that Vermonters are a little concerned about, uh, municipal ethics in the last decade or so we've seen a number of issues with clerks and treasurers, uh, we 've seen some things that are actually not just unethical but criminal happen in a few towns that you know, have had issues with embezzlement, for instance right. um, so steady, setting some standards and, and having a common shared understanding yeah. of what we want from municipal officials uh, I think is going to be welcome to most people yeah. it 's just getting into the details uh, yeah. that i 'm
1: and there are people in town like in Barry Tom Lozon when he was mayor. He would always stand up and say, I have to recuse myself. And he'd go sit in the, in the audience. And I, this is something I didn't know. If a senator, um, like, um, Jim Condos, uh, he worked for, a, um, oil, no, uh, gas, I think he worked power for companies. Vermont so, Gas. Yeah, yes, gas. Yeah. Thank you. And he would stand up and say, I think I have a conflict. And the Senate would vote yes or no. And so as long as people know, that And I went to see uh, Governor Snelling one time when I was working for him uh, about a conflict, and I wanted his opinion on something. And he said to me, here's the rule. If you ask the question, it is. Huh. And he said, this will make it very easy for you. If you have even thinking of asking the question, it's a conflict, and there's your answer. And I went, well, that makes sense. Perceived.
2: Well, well the the rules in the House uh, and in the Senate to a certain extent, but I'm a House member and, and- – the rules in the house are interesting because when something affects you personally or the business that you're involved with or a family member, you have a direct right. pecuniary interest, then it's, def- then it's a conflict, right? But you also have to think about, OK, let's say I'm a, a teacher and we're voting on education policy. Something that affects that teacher who happens to be a citizen legislator the same way it affects everyone else in their profession across the state. They're a member of a large group. They bring that perspective to the legislature, and that's that's the whole idea with right. our citizen legislature. So you don't want to prevent those people um, if they don't have a true conflict. A true conflict is when their, their particular financial interest is different than the group that they're a part of. Uh, that's particularly important in our citizen legislature um, and can be – uh, an issue of a lot of debate and examination. <laughs>
1: yeah, the, for sure. Um, yeah, this is going to be an interesting discussion. I think I'm going to have to have Ted come on the show. Um, so, as we said, there are three um, quote bills. There's two that are draft in your committee, which will be committee bills, which a lot of uh, committees do. They work on a bill, and I just I managed to get the copy from Sig, uh, from um, uh, Christina um, because they're hard to find when the committee's working on a bill. Um, unless they've changed that procedure. But anyway, I thought they were really excellent and, um, got to the heart of the matter. Do you, are you familiar with them enough to sort of say this one says this, that one says that and tell us the difference? Yeah, I think, I think
2: to a certain extent. So if you've got. Uh, specific questions, Pat. I'll do my best. Yes.
1: Well, I said, let's just take the draft bill and they, they have all kinds of thousand numbers. Uh, the subject of this one is the Executive Governmental Ethics, State Ethics Commission, State Code of Ethics. And um, as you were saying, it gives them a little extra uh, investigatory authority. What it doesn't do and which was something we were going to do this year was enforcement. And that – I want to be there for that discussion. This is going to be great. Um, Are there examples out there in the world where enforcement works?
2: So ethics enforcement is right now done by the different pieces of state government. So when I think about Uh, the judiciary branch has their own review panel. Right, right. Um, The House has an ethics panel that has members of different parties on it and that reviews ethics complaints. The Senate has an ethics panel. Um, In the executive branch, there's – if you're talking about appointed officials and and employees, there's the Department of Human Resources. And so part of what we have now uh, under the existing statute is the commission can refer to those. One of the things that um, H-487, the short-form bill that you mentioned, gets at and that will be part of this discussion is what happens when there's an official, for instance, like a constitutional officer where someone might have a complaint? Is there anywhere for people to go short of referring a criminal complaint to the attorney general's office? What if it's something that's an ethical issue potentially but not necessarily uh, something that rises to the level of criminal investigation?
1: And we haven't gotten there yet, have we? No. No. Yeah, cause how we were talking about how do you enforce this? And, uh, I was surprised when we first started bringing this up a couple of years ago, we testified at Campaign for Vermont, testified a couple of times. They were, the reaction from the judiciary and the legislature, cause they had their own. But it seems to me that, that there needs to be a common Common core, a common baseline, you can make it tougher if you want, in just like you do with federal legislation you can the state can make it tougher, but you can 't make it um, less tough or uh, that 's not even a phrase i don 't think anyway, um, this is going to be quite an interesting discussion, but if we can get the municipalities um, on board, and it sounds like you can. That's that's really good for you. You know,
2: I think we're at the beginning of the legislative process on this. So one of the reasons I was so excited to come here is I want everybody to know we're taking up this issue. Uh We're actually going to be, when we release our agenda in the next day or so here for next week, you'll see that on Tuesday afternoon, uh, we're going to really dive into these draft bills Um that we've been talking about in the House Government Operations and Military Affairs Committee. And it's the beginning of the conversation of, of what the details should be. So the State Ethics Commission made these recommendations, mm-hmm. taking those very, very seriously. And um, that's going to be the starting point for mm-hmm. our conversation. But I want to invite groups like yours right. in and the League of Cities and Towns and the members of the public to say, what do you really think should be the standards mm-hmm. and who should enforce them
1: and how? That's great. Excellent. Um, anyway, we have a listener uh, caller, uh, George, and I apologize, George. I had no idea you were on the phone. We would have gotten to you sooner. My comp- my screen isn't working to let me know somebody's on. So you're on the air, George. Do you have a question uh, for the representative?
0: Yes. Thank you for uh, for allowing me to ask the question. No problem. And I'm old and I'm not too smart. <laughs> I, I I heard I, – I was listening to the radio and I didn't hear it all where they said uh, – the, the The representative won accountability and ethics in government and both state and federal and i I believe that's necessary and uh you know, I asked two of my representatives and I'm not mentioning names to uh bar Trump from running in the state of Vermont like huh. other states have done, and they wouldn't do it and and I'm curious about that. Because now Trump is, uh, I guess there is, is going to court and he's threatening. I guess they had a bomb threat. So, uh, you know, I understand the difference between state and federal, but I also understand you want something to get done, start at the bottom and work your way up. So, uh, I believe accountability is pretty important. And I'm curious if, if they cannot put Trump off the ballot in Vermont when you talk about okay. ethics. Let, yeah, let me
1: mobility. have uh, uh, the representative respond to that.
0: Yeah, George, thanks. This
2: is uh, a little bit uh, adjacent to the topic that we're talking about today around um, advancing ethics in the state of Vermont. But I think George brings up a, a point that's pretty a hot topic because um, – both the state of Colorado and the state of Maine right now have uh, processes uh, that are eventually going to wind up at the Supreme Court in just a few weeks, is my understanding. Um, about um, Section Three of Article Fourteen, which is a, a clause that was in, put in the Constitution after the Civil War, um, and says right. that you know uh, folks who have uh, committed an insurrection against the United States um, would be barred uh, to hold office, and. Um, I am really deeply concerned about another Trump presidency. I know a lot of Vermonters of all different political stripes are. I also think it's really important that um, we make sure that people have faith in our elections and our institutions. Our work on ethics is about making sure that Vermonters have faith in our state and municipal institutions. And I worry that you know, absent Congress or the courts making a determination that individual secretaries of state or individual state courts at creating a patchwork across the country of Trump being on the ballot in some places right. and not in others will have this overwhelming sense for people that we aren't respecting the democratic process. Um, I don't think that Trump, should be the president again. Uh, I would hope that we're able to defeat him at the ballot box. Um, But I think at the state level, um, the Secretary of State's put out some great statements about this Secretary of State, Sarah copeland us. She's actually my predecessor on the House Gov Ops Committee. uh, She was my chair last biennium before she uh, took this statewide office. And um, I think we're going to respect the courts and the Constitution. Uh, And this is a really interesting debate that's going on between constitutional scholars, but I think it's got to get resolved at the Supreme Supreme
1: Court. Court. (laughs) I understand that uh, the Secretary of State here in Vermont doesn't think she has that authority. And that's uh, right now. That's what that's what she's saying, from what I understand.
2: Yeah, and I, I agree with the Secretary of State. I, I don't think she, in her, in her office or um, the legislature here in the state level, has the power to decide who and who does not qualify for right. the ballot on this particular issue. Right. And um, it's a it's really an untested part of constitutional law, and, and it's very interesting. Um, But I I don't think it's the right way to sort of solve the concerns that we have about this particular candidate. Well,
1: And that's what the ballot box is about. Vote no. I mean, right? Because I don't think, unless I'm wrong, I don't think that uh, – oh, okay. I don't think that uh, he's been actually found guilty on anything yet, and that's sort of the premise of our – uh, innocent until proven guilty. Uh, anyway, George, thank you very much for the call. We have another caller hanging on, to, waiting to come on the air. Is it Jim? Uh, Jim, I, uh, I hope I got your name correct. Go ahead and uh, yep. you're on the air with uh, Representative McCarthy.
3: Good morning, Pat. Good morning, <laughs> Representative. Um, <clears throat> you're involving the municipalities in this bill, I think is is uh, really worthwhile, Um and I was wondering if you would consider adding another component to it. Um, there's another type of unethical behavior, uh, which I witnessed in 10 years on the school board. Yeah. Um, if you could put something in there that, that refers to unethical behavior, if you purposely deceive the voters. Um, I, I always used to joke about the Vermont Superintendents uh, Association uh, playbook, but it seems... With the four or five superintendents that I worked under, they all seemed to have some of the same practices that were not anything that lined their pockets. There was nothing unethical about it from an economic standpoint for their, their personal gain, but they were blatantly deceiving the voters, and it would happen with intentionally over-stating uh an anticipated cost that they know for instance electricity sometimes that would go either too low or too high because they knew when it when it was off budget they would say wow it's electricity there's nothing we can do about it so they'd end up having to overspend that and then or another time they might have a utility that is way over budgeted because that was their slush fund to to put someplace else um we had a number of different things that one superintendent is the only one that did this came one year with a new budget. And the law says that any surplus from last year starts off this year as your um, remaining balance from the previous year. And that's where you start. Well, everyone focuses on the expenses. So no one ever focused on, on revenue. (laughs) So one year he shows up and the previous year's forwarded balance is zero on revenue. No one caught it or anything. And I happen to see it. And, <clears throat> when I asked him about it, he said, "Well, I've got some other plans that I'd like to bring to you to, to uh, use that money for." But had I not brought it up, yeah. he wouldn't have he wouldn't have even wow. been put it in there. But anyway, my point being is that um, what that allowed him to do was to you approve the expenses, and then they just calculate what the revenue is supposed to be to meet those expenses. So there's a lot of games that are played with it, and and the the bottom line on the whole thing is. If a number is bought to, brought to a governing body, it should be a number that they believe is accurate. And, and more often than not, there were several areas that they would um, inflate a number or deflate okay. a number because they knew they could. Manipulate it later, on. But anyway, I, yeah, um, I think I'm, I'm going to turn this. With anyone, but.
1: I'm going to turn this over to Representative McCarthy.
2: Yeah, Jim brings up a great question uh, that's that really goes to the heart of transparency and accountability in government. So our budgeting processes, especially at the school board at the municipal level, very interesting. Um, they're not directly related to the ethics bills that we're working on, but um, I do think that it's important for us to make sure that we have transparency and accountability at the state and local level. And what that can mean in the budgeting process is that we've got really key checks and balances. So, um, you know, the school board is supposed to be the representative of the people uh, and put a check on the administration that's presenting the budget and making sure that they're doing everything that they're supposed to do. Um, I think the complexity of State government of local government, the complexity of developing a school budget, especially with our um, statewide financing system, means that it's not as transparent as we right. would like it right. to be for the the typical voter. And that's something that that I stay c- consistently aware of through our conversations. It's about trying to illuminate how does this work? How could it work better? How do we allow citizens of Vermont to tell their government, hey, we don't think you're doing this in a way that is right. And when it to bring it back to ethics, it's if we think that a school board member, uh, a, a municipal official, a state official is serving their own interest and not the interest of the people, um, then the State Ethics Commission is a tool, a resource that we have. Right. And our work starting next week when we start taking testimony on these bills is going to be about how much power do they have and what's their scope of work. And we definitely don't want to expand it so fast with uh, just a small staff because um, right now you just have a, a part-time director and a, and a few commissioners. So uh, yeah. we're, we're definitely going to need um, to expand that staff. And that was one thing in the bill that we haven't talked about is right. having the resources uh, for the State Ethics Commission if we're going to expand their scope.
1: Well, I think – and thank you for the question. That was a really good question and a lot of truth on that question having served locally. Um, uh, but I think it's very important for Vermonters to have a place to go if they have an issue with a legislator, with it, especially with a, a judge or somebody in the judiciary. It's tough walking into that building to make a complaint. So here's the ethics commission, uh, nonpartisan, non whatever, all the non words, and you can go and, and have a confer- confidential conversation um, and let them handle it and. That I was just telling Mike, I, when I was at Motor Vehicles, I made every new employee go over to the building, and I would give them a tour myself personally. And I had one per- person who, by the time we walked over from DMV to the statehouse, she was shaking like a leaf, sweating, scared to death because she didn't know what to expect beyond the Golden Dome. And I don't think you realize, once you're in there, it's another whole world, and you forget there's a world outside the building, which is a problem sometimes, just saying. Um, but – we have to have people feel comfortable and 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 I think the ethics committee sets up that that nonpartisan place to go and and sometimes they're wrong. sometimes the ethics committee said, no, that's really not a conflict it, and they'll explain it, and you'll feel better when you when you leave but you know
2: well, I think we did a good job yeah. in adopting the state code of trying to say these are these are the things that are prohibited." And these – this is the scope of work for the Ethics Commission. And some of the complaints that I heard listening into the um, public hearings about right. whether there should be a municipal code of ethics and how the State Ethics Commission would be involved in that had to do with people who were concerned about policy decisions that were made by local boards, a planning commission and a select board, not really about an ethical violation. Yeah. And um, sometimes those lines can seem kind of blurry um but i wouldn't want us as the legislature to empower a uh, an outside commission like the ethics commission to be able to punish anybody a select a select board a planning right, commission a school right. board uh for policy decisions that a group of um some of their constituents didn't agree with and that's really what we've got to try to avoid here is we're we're talking about trying to investigate and um, give advice and potentially refer, whether it's, you know, to the AG for criminal prosecution or, you know, to the Department of Human Resources for some kind of remediation, complaints that it really are truly ethical violations or violations of conflict of interest or, um, you know, things that might be an inappropriate gift. There's a whole range of things that, that are really in the purview of the State Ethics Commission. And we need to be careful as a legislature that we're not empowering a body to go after folks politically or or allow a a small group of um, citizens who are just mad and have an ax to grind to to, uh, do something that would be detrimental. And and part of that is when an initial complaint comes in – and we experience this in the the House and Senate panels um, that deal with ethics or harassment prevention – where the initial complaint – that there's some anonymity there, yeah. and that those provisions right.
1: are important. Yeah, I, I I love the way it's set up right now, and I think it's important for Vermonters to be have a place to go that they feel comfortable, and that's really important. And I give a shout out to Christina uh, Sivert for doing um, a series of public hearings on on these new laws because um, I have a they had a list of five questions that they asked everybody, and those questions really got you started thinking. You know, like, what is ethics? Um, what is a conflict of interest? And I was going to ask you in, in the time, what is that definition? Is there one that, that could meet all, um, you know, all scenarios? Because who knows?
2: So uh, what the Ethics Commission says is that a conflict of interest exists if you have a direct or indirect interest in a matter you have influence over or control over at work so if you're a public official and you have influence over it and you're uh and you can influence the outcome of a particular decision whether that's a budget or policy right. um and that your benefit or loss from the outcome is different than a member of the general public so you know if i make a a bill about a tax policy, uh, and I happen to be a citizen legislator and a member of the public, right. that's not a conflict of interest. It might impact me for sure, so it <laughs> checks that first box, right. uh, but it doesn't impact me any differently than it does right. um, any other Vermonter. But if the benefit is – or the loss that you might experience from a decision uh, is different for you than it is from a member of a group that you're right. in – or a class of citizens that you're in, uh, then you've probably got a conflict and you need to recuse yourself from making that decision.
1: Yeah, because like you're, uh, something on the floor might impact you with your day job. Um, and I'm sure um, given our focus on climate change and all of the, the energy issues we're dealing with, you'd probably run into that from time to time.
2: Yeah, I mean, 10 years ago, there was there was actually a complaint uh, about, you know, I had voted on the, the whole net metering bill on the floor. So oh, I wasn't involved oh. in the crafting of the bill right. or anything, but... You know I had a job at a solar company, and I voted right. on the whole policy right um, and the ethics uh, oh, the house e- house ethics panel you know took a look at that and very quickly said, well, you're representative McCarthy, your interest in that isn't any different than anybody else in your industry." Um, It doesn't have a direct influence on you. It wasn't like a specific project I had sold was getting funded or something like that. It was about the whole overarching policy. And I think it's really important for us to have the ability for a citizen or a group of citizens to go to a body that is nonpartisan and that we have faith in, that has clear standards and procedures and say – I think this is a problem. This state official is doing something that they might have a conflict or it looks like they took a bunch of dinners and trips with this organization and then they voted on a bill. Those are the kinds of things that um, we need to look at. And, you know, we set a pretty clear standard around, you know, gifts, for instance. Right. You know, if uh, if I go to a dinner that's hosted by some organization and. You know, I eat 20 bucks worth of chicken that gets reported and they can't, you know, I can't go to five of those uh, at that price in a year uh, for that organization. So we set these thresholds pretty low so that it's really clear. Um but that we also like if I get a keychain from a nonprofit that happens to be giving away things in the State House, that has a de minimis value. Right. I don't think any reasonable person thinks that we're going to buy a legislator's vote for the value of a keychain. Right. Um, so we try to make sure that the thresholds are reasonable and um the State Ethics Commission advises the legislature on that. Advises individuals on what's appropriate and not appropriate, and uh, helps us stay out of trouble. That's really what we—that's the main thing. I think Christina Sivert would would agree with us. That's exactly. the main thing we're trying to do is to prevent any ethics violations before they happen.
1: <laughs> well, and in honesty, I think a lot of people just don't think of it. Um, people that ha- may have a company—it's so part of your life—you don't—you don't think about it, and. uh and so as I think sometimes they get surprised when somebody calls them on it. They're like, "What are you talking?" About? But then they think about it and they go, oh, "Yep, you're right. It's it's good to call that." Yeah. yeah, it is good. So we have two minutes left, Representative. Anything you wanna wanna tell folks to pay attention here?
2: Well, I want to encourage folks uh, if you've never used the legislative website to go mm-hmm. to the House. Government Operations and Military Affairs Committee page. If you click on Bills, uh, you'll see there's a couple of uh, DR00 uh, number uh, bill drafts there, and there's H-487. If you're interested in looking at those documents, um, we'll be starting to take testimony on Tuesday. Uh, so, if you're really interested and want to watch the live stream, um, that testimony from um, Executive Director Sivrid and the walkthrough of these draft um, policy proposals are all going to be uh, available in perpetuity on the uh, House Government Operations and Military Affairs Committee page. And uh, I want to hear from folks, so mm-hmm. please feel free to get in touch with us. And if you want to testify, uh, you know, give us an email. Uh,
1: Great. I also – we're going to have Mike come back because I wanted to talk about the Vermont truth and reconciliation. There's an interesting topic, Michael. (laughs) Anyway, thank you all very much for tuning in. This is Pat McDonald, your host for Vermont Viewpoint on WDEV. Coming up between 10 and 11 is Rocket from Vermont. He's been on the show before, so – Watch your energy level. This guy makes me look like I'm sleeping on my feet. Uh, We'll be back. Thanks for tuning in. Thank you, Michael, very much for coming on board. I really appreciate it. Look forward to maybe chatting on about a few issues. We'll have you back. Thanks
2: for having me. Thanks, all.